With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Carving It Up Live, presented by The Grid. As always, I am Bryson Carver. It is great to be with you on this Friday night. Uh, I'm actually recording this in the wee hours of the morning. Uh, Got to go on a trip this weekend, uh, celebrate with some family, so I wanted to go and get this recorded, get my predictions out. Uh, I am actually recording this about an hour after the ending between the Dolphins and the Bengals. Obviously, I'll react to the very, very, very scary injury to Tua Tungavailoa and, of course, the game as a whole. Uh, and after that, get straight to the predictions. Week four in the NFL, I got my Bryson's Bleak Bets, which is the new segment from this year. It's the bet that I am the least confident in, but I got to make the pick, I guess. I make I predict, I, I predict every game the entirety of the season. I'm not, I'm not going to skip out on, uh, on a game just because I'm not going to chicken out. If you know what I'm saying. Also, if I were a betting man, which is my favorite segment, and of course, the upset of the week. I'm actually two for my last two on upset of the week, both being the Jacksonville Jaguars winning. Uh, Jacksonville winning over Indianapolis in week two, and then last week against the Chargers. They're a six and a half point underdogs against the Eagles in week four. Will I pick the Jaguars for three straight weeks? Find out later in the show. But first, let's talk about last night. Um, let's start with the obvious. Tua Tungavailoa going down with a very, very scary head injury. Uh, now, the reports are that he's he's flown back uh, with the team from Cincinnati. He's, he was discharged from the hospital. He had movement in his extremities. He was conscious. Basically, as awful as that injury looked, just about every possible good news that you could get in the aftermath of it, we got. He's with his teammates. He's flown home to Miami. He's moving his extremities, and he is alert. He is aware, which, thank God. Because if I'm Roger Goodell, who happened to be in attendance at that game in Cincinnati, whatever hammer I can drop down on the Miami Dolphins that will be permitted by the league, I'm dropping it. Because if there's one thing that Roger Goodell does not want to see, if the, if you had to put him on a lie detector, say Commissioner Goodell, name the one thing, that your least favorite thing to see during a football game. It's that. 
is a player being carted off the field, heck, being stretchered off the field when he is motionless, when we saw his fingers in an awkward position after he was slammed to the turf on the sack. That is literally the last thing you want to see. Remember, about six years ago, six, seven years ago, the movie Concussion starring Will Smith came out. And it was talking about the issue of CTE and all these former NFL players that had had their brain scanned uh, for CTE, right? And, it, and it's still an, an issue that is, is very, very relevant today, certainly right now, considering Tua's injury. And a lot of, a lot of mothers, I'll be the first to admit, my own mother, parents in general, very, very hesitant to put their kids in contact football. You know, as, as an old, ironically, it was a basketball coach, an old basketball coach of mine once said, once told me that football is not a contact sport. Basketball is a contact sport. They allow contact. Football is a collision sport. It, it, is, it is the only sport aside from mixed martial arts and boxing that allows a certain certain regulated violence. We know that, that that is part of the game. It is the worst part about the game, but it is one that we, the fans that heck we, the country, heck, uh, you know, football is America's game. After all, we have come to sort of accept. And as rules have changed over the past decade, it has grown to protect players. We know about four years ago, probably the most significant change, certainly as far as protecting quarterbacks is that, When a defensive player sacks them, you can't land on them. You can't force them, drive them into the ground. And it's been a controversial topic, but one that it was actually brought up. I criticize him a lot, but I'll give him credit here. Jerry Jones has brought up numerous times. Protecting the quarterback, protecting the stars of this league, protecting every player to the best of our ability as a league. There is nothing that Roger Goodell would want to see less during a football game than that. There's two issues that the NFL cares deeply about, certainly as far as uh, PR and and how they're viewed by the fans. It's personal conduct. You see with this Deshaun Watson situation. And it's concussions. This is something that the NFL cares deeply about, trying to protect its players. And I said, folks, I said the day after on this show, when I was reacting to Bills, Dolphins, and the crazy game it was, blah, blah, blah. I said, I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what the doctors in Miami says. I don't care what the head coach Mike McDaniel says. I don't care what Tua says. That man was concussed against the Buffalo Bills. They said it was a back injury. No, he was not. You tell me the back injury. You tell me the back injury where... A guy is brought to the ground, gets up, you know, kind of shakes his head, trying to shake the cobwebs out, like, you know, he's, I don't know if what he's seeing or whatever, and then stumbles forward, his knees buckle, and he has to use his hand to stop himself to, from falling flat on his face. You tell me what back injury you've seen where that's occurred. Okay, so, and the fact that Tua finished the game is ridiculous. This is not hindsight 2020. I said this the day after. I, heck, I even tweeted it as the game is going on. The fact that Tua is in this game 
is stupid on the part of the Miami Dolphins. I have always seen the show. I, I said back, it was a couple years ago, Patrick Mahomes suffered a, 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 not, I wouldn't say a similar injury. I think he just got choked out. I don't think it was anything concussion related, but he got hurt against the Cleveland Browns in a divisional round playoff game at Arrowhead Stadium. He gets tackled at midfield. He gets up. He's a little woozy. And then he stumbles. He does not return. And I said the day after the show, and that was in a playoff game, by the way. Playoff game. Close playoff game against the Cleveland Browns. You could have lost. Your season would have been over. But the Chiefs, medical staff, made the right decision not letting Mahomes finish the game. And I said the day after, look, you know, whether they win or lose, hindsight 2020, they won the game, thankfully for Kansas City. But if I ever see, if I'm a medical staff, if I'm a coach, and I see any of my players stumble, they're done for the game. I am. There is no way I'm letting that back in. Matter of fact, I've heard some suggest, hey, if, if you see a player stumble, not only should they not be able to finish the game that they have been participating in, but also the next game. I'm not totally opposed to the idea, especially after what happened last night. So I, I am just sick for Tua. Um, the reports coming out seem promising as far as his recovery. Uh, I, I would be, of course, this is a Miami Dolphins organization. After all, they've done a lot of shady business regards to in regarding, uh, you know, their tampering with Tom Brady, how they handled the Brian Flores firing, which, by the way, that the Brady issue got their owner Stephen Ross suspended for the first six games, and now this. So, praying for Tua. Praying for a speedy recovery. You guys know, listen, I've been, I've been critical of him, but you, I don't want to see anybody. You don't want to see anybody twist an ankle. That, that is as serious as it gets, man. That this is, it's a brain injury and, and, and you just wish the best. You're praying for Tua that he gets better. But this was a, this was flat out wrong. No ifs, ands, or buts. Tua Tungavailoa should not have played in that game last night. He should not have finished the game on Sunday. That man suffered two concussions in a span of basically 96 hours. Two concussions in a week. That's what you just did to your quarterback. This is on the Dolphins. I, I have seen some people, uh, you know, people tweeting like, well, you know, this is on Tua. He's, you know, he, he, he made the decision to play. Folks, players want to play. That, that is just how it is. Players want to play. Ask Kevin Durant three years ago. Okay? He, to me, clearly hurt his Achilles. The Warriors and everybody, Katie's reps said it's a calf injury, blah, blah, blah. There's no way. Look at the replay. That man, I don't think he tore his Achilles, but he, certainly he might have pulled his Achilles at the very least. And what happens? He comes back because it's a do-or-die game for my Golden State Warriors and barely into the second quarter, ruptures his Achilles, and it doesn't play basketball for a year and a half. Okay, the Warriors or KD's reps could have stepped in and say, you're not playing. And in this situation, far more serious because it involves a head injury. The Dolphins, the medical staff, Mike McDaniel, the general manager, whoever. Somebody's got to step in and say, what, are we about winning the battle or winning the war? We're trying to win this game. Or are we trying to have our quarterback healthy to help us get to where we think we can get the rest of the season? And by the way, we've got a good backup. I'll get to Bridgewater in just a second. We've got a more than capable backup. But even if your backup is, I don't know, uh, Tim Tebow, 
I don't know if it's Chad Powers, you know, Eli Manning's uh, new alias, I guess. I don't care who your backup is. You do not put that man in harm's way. It, it, it is just wrong and messed up what the Miami Dolphins did to one two at Tonga by Loa last night. So again, wishing him all the very, very best. Uh, you know, you're heartbroken for him, his family, his his teammates were obviously very emotional uh, when it happened. You saw Jalen Waddle, who was a teammate of his at Alabama, you know, kneeling next to him, trying to check on his brother, see how he's doing. Um, man, it, it it man, it just made. I, I had a very uneasy feeling in my stomach for quite a while watching that game. And I know a lot of you did. I know certainly the Dolphins did. I'm sure some Bengals did. And hats off to the Bengals fans, you know, with the Tua chant, um, you know, when he was being stretched off, you know, a, a classy showing on, on the part uh, of those fans and that sellout crowd. Um, it's just, man, you just wish the best for Tua. That, that's all I can say. I just wish the best for Tua. Hope he recovers quickly. And uh, as for the NFL's handling this, it's, it's why they pay Roger Goodell the big bucks. This is why he gets paid 40 large, okay? This uh, 40 large a year. The, these are the, the decisions that he's paid that money to make. Okay, there's no way the Dolphins will go unscathed by this. No way. There's nothing that Roger Goodell and the NFL league office wants to see less than what happened last night. It's disgraceful what the Dolphins did. Disgraceful. It's It's disgusting. Uh, but again, I, I, I'm sure more information has come out about this as as time has gone on. Again, this this show is airing at 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific time uh, on a Friday. I'm recording this in the wee hours of the morning. Uh, it's about 15 past uh, past midnight. So I'm sure some more information has, has come in in the next in, in the next, I don't know, 18 hours since then. But again, all we can do is wish to the very, very best. As far as the game itself, I picked Cincinnati to win. I actually predicted correctly that they would score 27 points. Um, I have to give a lot of credit to the Miami defense for hanging in as long as they did. Okay, that they held, you know, since Cincinnati came out with that, <clears throat> excuse me, that big opening drive to start. You know, Joe Mixon punched it in, got some help from his offensive line. Jamar Chase had a quiet night for the for the majority of the game, but made the big play down the stretch with about two minutes left to put the Bengals in position to score that last touchdown that pretty much put the game out of reach. But I'll tell you what impressed me the most about the Bengals. And it's something that I have criticized them harshly for really since even before Joe Burrow was drafted. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. As I've said numerous times, you guys, a lot of you guys know, wasn't that high on Joe Burrow coming out of LSU. Didn't discount the fact that I thought he had the greatest college football season of all time, certainly by a quarterback. 60 touchdowns, 15-0, won the Heisman Trophy, beat all the ranked opponents LSU did. I think that 2019 LSU team is the greatest college football team of all time, in my opinion. But I was worried about, in some respects, his arm strength, not as much as Tua's, but I was worried about his arm strength a little bit. But coming into the NFL with a Bengals organization that has wasted a lot of great quarterback talent, 
and a Bengals organization that had arguably the worst offensive line in the league. And over the first two years of Joe Burrow's career, they didn't really do a whole lot at all to address it. And the first year, it cost him the season because he had a serious knee injury that, you know, put him out for the rest of 2020. And then 2021, despite getting sacked 50 times in the regular season and getting sacked almost near at 20 times in the postseason, he still had the Bengals to being within two minutes away from winning the Super Bowl. It was remarkable. And then coming into this year, he gets he gets sacked seven times against the Steelers, six times against the Cowboys. And I'm like, they are going to turn him into Andrew Luck. To where, yeah, he's got the weapons. Chase, Higgins, Mixon, Hayden Hurst has been a good addition for them. And, and Tyler Boyd, who threw a nice pass last night. But what is it? What does it matter when he's on his butt the whole game? Last night, and Joe Burrow said it himself verbatim after the game. He said, that was the cleanest pocket I've had since coming into the NFL, and it showed. He had time to throw, and when he did, he was accurate. I mean, no shocker or crap, he was accurate with a bad offensive line. So his offensive line has a good night. Of course he's going to be great. He's Joe Burrow. Okay, he finished the night throwing for 287, two touchdowns, had a QBR of 52, had a passer rating of 115. He was great last night. He was typical Joe Burrow, delivering the ball on time, on target to his receivers. And, and, and again, on the part of the Miami Dolphins, heck of a job by their defense, especially down in the red zone, you know, forcing some, some uh, field goals in the red zone to, to, to be able to kind of stem the tide a little bit uh, for, for, for Miami. But ultimately, it was all said and done. The Dolphins defense just kind of ran out of gas. They were on the field for 40 minutes just four days ago, or now five days ago against the Buffalo Bills in 90-degree heat in Miami. Like, that's a lot to ask for your defense to do the job they did against Josh Allen and that Bills offense and then turn right around and say, hey, go stop Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, all the weapons they got in a span of less than a week. That is a lot to ask. And they, they hung in as long as they could. Now, for Miami offensively, listen, Teddy Bridgewater, I've always said this about Teddy, he's in that group. What have I dubbed it? Say it with me. Low-end starters, high-end backups. He's in that group. He's with the Andy Daltons and the Jacoby Brissettes and guys like that, right? Guys that if your starter goes down, you trust them to come in and they can win you games. You trust them to be smart with the football, to work within the system, get the ball to whatever playmakers they have and keep the ship afloat before, you know, while your starter heals. And by the time your starter gets, starter gets back, you're still in good position. Like that's what you want. Never forget. 2019, just three years ago, Drew Brees had, he suffers a thumb injury against the Los Angeles Rams, misses five games. Teddy Bridgewater steps in, wins all five, goes 5-0, and and the Saints are in perfect position when Drew Brees comes back healthy and they don't miss a beat. That's what Teddy Bridgewater is. And so coming in, I thought he actually played really well. He Again, he had that late interception. It was, it was a misread. I think he was trying to look for Gasecki. Von Bell got the interception. Von Bell had two picks last night, one off Tua, one off of Bridgewater. But Teddy finished with 193 yards passing on 14 of 23 uh, completion and attempts. One touchdown, again, the, the aforementioned interception. But he had a QBR, 0 to 100 of 80, and a pass rating of 84. And so, again, he did what he had to do. He delivered the ball to Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddell. He's familiar with the offense. So moving forward for the Dolphins, again, when you look at their schedule the next few games, let's just say Tua misses two games, which 
to me, should be the bare minimum after what happened last night. You got the Jets. Dolphins should win that game. They're better than the Jets. Okay, they should win that game on the road. And then tough home game against the Minnesota Vikings. But hey, that could go either way. We know Minnesota's talented. So is Miami. Mike McDaniels proved himself to be a pretty good head coach at least three games of the way in. I'll have to wait till about midseason around, you know, early to late November to really make kind of my final assessment on Mike McDaniel as a head coach because other coaches do adjust. So let's not jump the gun yet. But Teddy Bridgewater is a more than capable backup. If something terrible was to happen to Tua like last night, that's the guy you want stepping in. He had that nice little shovel pass to Edmonds, who scored that touchdown at the end of the first half. He led a couple of nice drives. He kept the minute. I mean, matter of fact, they entered the fourth quarter with a 15 to 14 lead. So, and again, there's not a huge, huge gap between Tua and Bridgewater. So the play doesn't dip off that much. Tua's better, but the play doesn't dip off that much to Bridgewater. So I, I think it's 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 not sky's falling for Miami in terms of their chances to keep the ship alive while Tua's out. But Teddy did a good job. But again, as for the Bengals, that was very, very impressive, especially by the unit that has been criticized more than any other, that being their offensive line. So giving Burrow clean pocket, again, sacked seven times against the Steelers, sacked six times against the Cowboys. Ten days later after that Cowboy game, he got sacked one time. So I, I really, really criticize, and I'm rough on the Bengals' offensive line when they're bad. I got to give them credit when they're good. That was a really, really good performance last night. They, along with Joe Burrow, are the biggest reasons that the Bengals won this football game. That, obviously, along with the Bomb Bell, uh, two interceptions. But this is a good win for the Bengals. Hey, again, we talk about skies not falling for Miami in terms of keeping their hopes alive without Tua. Bengals, sky's not falling. Okay, you start 0-2, you lose on, on two walk-off field goals to the Steelers and Cowboys. You're sitting at 2-2, two and two, you feel good about yourself. you got a big, big game 10 days from now, 9 days from now actually, against the Baltimore Ravens, big division matchup. Good chance that that'll be for you know whoever leads the division, whoever wins that game leads the AFC North, which is a very tight, congested division. But it's a good win for the Bengals last night. Burrow played well, so did the offensive line. And uh, the Bengals won 27 to 15, you know, outscored, outscored Miami uh, uh, 13 to nothing in that fourth, but good win for them. But no, I mean, it's, it's interesting. We, we, we you know, kind of talked about that, that Super Bowl loser slump, because the Super Bowl loser slump is a lot more prevalent than the winner slump. We know the Rams haven't looked quite like they did last year, but let's not forget the Rams were the four seed last year. Like, it's not like the Rams went like 14 and three, blew through the competition, and then survived a close game against the Bengals in the Super Bowl. No. Like, this, this, this Rams team almost blew a 27 3 lead to the GOAT in Tampa. Okay. They were down 10 in the fourth quarter at home to San Francisco. So, again, sort of that, that, uh, that Super Bowl letdown for these two teams, you're seeing it a little bit. A lot of injuries for both sides, but. And by the way, I liked how Cincinnati's defensive line played as well. Uh, there was that one kid. He had a penalty. I forgot his name, number 58. This is kind of, uh, this, this is his second year, but he missed his first year. So this is kind of like his rookie year. But he got good pressure. The Bengals' whole defensive line did. I uh, thought the linebacking unit played well, especially stopping the run. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what the, what, what the Bengals do from here. Again, they got the Ravens next week. Uh, then you got a, a road date with the Saints. Listen. 
I know the Saints aren't, aren't as good through the first three games we thought they'd be. That is still not an easy building to go win in. That is one of the toughest buildings to go win a football game. Uh, then you got some ba- Falcons, Browns, Panthers. So a lot of winnable games for Cincinnati moving forward. They're 2-2. Two and two. They're 500. You got 13 games to go. Bengals are going to be fine. As long as Joe Burrow's healthy, if that offensive line plays well, this is a team that can win the Super Bowl. Because their defense is good. They've got the weapons. They can run the football. We know what Joe Burrow is. The Literally. They have, they have an average offensive line last year. They're the defending Super Bowl champions today. That's what it came down to. I mean, heck, Joe Burrow got sacked nine times against the Tennessee Titans, which tied the playoff record. They still found a way to win. But what did them in is on, I think it was like seven of his last 22 dropbacks in the Super Bowl against the Rams, he was sacked. Can't win that way. But if clean that up with the additions they made, Alex Kappa and Lyle Collins, this, this, this team can win the Super Bowl. Not saying they're going to win the Super Bowl, not even saying they're the favorites to even win their division. I had the Ravens winning, winning the division. I'm sticking with that. But listen, don't, don't, don't bet against this group. Don't bet against Joe Burrow. And uh, you know this is a team that can definitely make a run. Okay. Week four in the NFL. I'm telling you, week three had some decent matchups. Week four to me is an upgrade. I had a... Let's just go and get the background music playing. I had a an average week four, uh, week three. If you look at it down here again, I, I went nine and seven. I went eleven and five in week two, so st- took a little step back. Overall record, if you include last night's game, which I p- predicted the Bengals would win, 27, 21 and one. So hoping to continue to improve upon that record moving forward. So let's start with our first morning game of the season, at least morning here in the United States, afternoon across the pond in London between the Minnesota Vikings and the New Orleans Saints. Minnesota in this game is favored, uh, minus two and a half. Here's what's interesting about this one. Okay, the Saints come in having lost, uh, you know, the first two of their first three games of the season. Could easily be 3-0, could easily be 0-3. Their only win of the season, they barely survived the Atlanta Falcons. Okay, not exactly, not exactly a team that's going to be contending for any Super Bowls anytime in the near future. But that being said, Minnesota comes in. They survived Detroit last week at home. This is an interesting matchup because we know what is the strength of the New Orleans Saints. It's their front seven. Okay, defensive line, linebacking group is among one of the best in the NFL. Cam Jordan is great rushing the passer. And you got Demario Davis, who's a tremendous linebacker. And their back end as well is excellent, led by Marshawn Lattimore. So you got a lot of playmakers in that defensive side of the ball, which is an interesting matchup considering that you've got, you know, Minnesota's run game with Dalvin Cook, uh, with Madison, and then their skill position players on the outside, that being uh, Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, and you obviously got guys like Irv Smith on down from there. So to me, whoever wins that matchup is going to win the game. And as I'm going to use a basketball analogy to describe this, but as the great, I quote him all the time, the great Mark Jackson always says, great offense, it's great defense, any day of the week. And see, I'm going to take the great offense. I'm going to take the Minnesota Vikings to win this game across the pond. Shout out to my friends over at the Across the Pond Sports Network. Shout out to those guys and gals. Vikings win this game 27-19 to over the New Orleans Saints, a team that I kind of like this year, New Orleans. Not to win the division, but to make the playoffs. New Orleans falls to 1-3. and three. Vikings go to 3-1. Uh, and one. This is actually a matchup that I thought that I, we could see in the wild card round. Still could. I think the Vikings will win the division. Not giving up hope. The Saints could still make the playoffs. But that's that. That's how I got it. 
Moving on now, we got the early window in the NFL. We got an interconference matchup between the Cleveland Browns and the Atlanta Falcons in Atlanta. The Browns are favored minus one and a half. We know what is the weakness of the Atlanta Falcons. It's their defense. Okay, they struggle to get to the quarterback at times, and their secondary is not very good. They've tried in the last few drafts to kind of address that, but still not, not their strongest unit whatsoever. Amari Cooper, since being traded from Dallas to the Browns, has looked pretty good. Back-to-back 100-yard games. We know Amari tends to kind of fade late in seasons, but early in, this, in the season, he's really good. He seems to have a good rapport with Jacoby Brissett, and the Browns have run the football very, very effectively. No surprise at all with Nick Chubb and with Kareem Hunt. I feel like that's, that's what they're going to lean on. To me, they are clearly the better roster, better coaching staff. Atlanta's just outmatched. Atlanta just doesn't have enough weapons. I know they got that Drake London kid from USC who has looked really good, but that matchup between him and Denzel Ward of the Browns is going to be interesting, excuse me, interesting to watch. I feel like they'll double him. Say, you know, if we can stop Kyle Pitts, if we can bracket Kyle Pitts, you know, force Marcus Mariota to, to beat us with his arm and his legs. I don't think he's going to do that. I'm going to take the Browns to win this game and cover the spread. A little bit of a high-scoring affair, 30-26 to 26 over the Atlanta Falcons. Let's move on to the Seattle Seahawks taking on the Detroit Lions. Detroit is favored minus four. I would love to know the last time that the Lions were favored by over a field goal. I'd say it's been a minute because their first time being favored in a game was two weeks ago, and it was the first time that they have been favored in two years since 2020. So the Lions, here's what we know. Their offense is really good, and that team could easily be 2-1 and one today if they had just finished those last two and a half minutes against the Minnesota Vikings on the road. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Detroit. I said about Detroit coming into the season. I said the two teams that would be tough as crap to beat, but would not make the playoffs would be the Jaguars in the AFC and the Lions in the NFC. I had both winning six games. I said they'd win six and in the vast majority of their 11 losses, be very, very competitive. Like be some like last minute losses, game winning field goals, overtime games, stuff of that nature. So Detroit is a is a solid football team. They are an excellent offense. Jared Goff has been really good to start the season. That St. Brown kid has been good for him. DeAndre Swift, they have run the ball very, very effectively. And what do we know about Seattle? That defense ain't very good. Okay, they made Atlanta look to a certain degree, even in their own home building, the Seahawks' own home building in Seattle. But they made the Falcons look like the Kansas City Chiefs. So that, te- that tells me everything I need to know with the playmakers Detroit has, with the way that they can run the football, as well as Jared Goff has played. That offensive line, by the way, has done a good job protecting him. Seattle is just, again, another team that's just outmatched in, the, in, in, this, in this game. I'm going to take the Detroit Lions to win pretty comfortably by a final score, 32-21. to 21. I do think they cover the spread over the uh, Seattle Seahawks. They, they cover that four-point spread to beat Seattle 32-21. to 21. It is now time for my favorite segment of the week. Who I bet, man? I were a bet, man. I'm looking at a classic NFC East rivalry between the Washington Commanders 
and the Dallas Cowboys. This is the first time the Cowboys have faced the Washington football team, now called the Washington Commanders, ever. Of course, faced them for years, and they were called the old name. Last year's being called the football team. Now the most pathetic name in the league, the Commanders. That's neither here nor there. Point is, Dallas is favored in this game by field goal, minus three. Okay, here's what we know about the Cowboys. Here's what we know about the Commanders. Dallas is really good getting to the quarterback. Okay, they're, I think they're leading the NFL in pressures, which I can't say is that stunning. I guess I'm a little surprised they're leading the league in pressures, but when you got the linebacker, Micah Parsons, the guy who I had before the season winning the defensive player of the year. When you got Demarcus Lawrence coming off a three-sack game, you got the guys up the middle and like Gallimore and Odigizua. Sam Williams, the second-round pick out of Ole Miss, done a pretty good job, right? I, I think he still has yet to register a sack, but he's played well. So that Dallas defensive line has been really good. And the secondary has, has held their own as well. Trayvon Diggs, as I said on yesterday's show, has really, really improved as a cover corner. Okay, so and he's going to have to, to DF against Terry McLaurin in this game on Sunday. What do we know about Washington? They have one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL. Coming into week four, Carson Wentz was tied with Joe Burrow for being sacked the most times in the NFL at 15. Philadelphia got to him last week six times, I think all in the first half if I'm not mistaken. Philly's better than Dallas, but where they compare, where there's a debate as to who's better, is the front four. And that is where, in the trenches, is where Washington is at their weakest. I think offensively for the Cowboys, Cooper Rush will continue to play turnover-free football. They'll run the ball well with Zeke, Pollard. Rush will be able to convert those third downs to Noah Brown. If CeeDee Lamb can hold on to a football, get it to CeeDee Lamb. We'll see if Michael Gallup comes back. It's, it's kind of a, a coin flip right now. He almost played last week. We'll see if he plays this week. If he does, that'll be a big boost for the, to the Cowboys. If I were a bet man, I would take the Dallas Cowboys to win comfortably over the Washington Commanders 28-18. to Dallas wins 28-18 over Washington. If I were a bet man, I am taking the Cowboys minus three. I'm really surprised that this was basically kind of a pick game, given that the home team gets three points, of course, as we know. Moving on to another divisional matchup, the Tennessee Titans and the Indianapolis Colts. Indianapolis, yeah, Indianapolis in this game at home, favored minus three and a half. So again, almost a pick game, Indianapolis getting three points at home. Colts are coming off a big, big win at home against the Kansas City Chiefs. Skin of their teeth win. Kansas City felt like they kind of beat themselves with some special teams mistakes and, and some bad late-game execution by the defense down the stretch. But Matt Ryan, Matty Ice, to his credit, led a game-winning drive. He's done that numerous times. Falcons fans would know. And he did it for the first time in a Colts uniform. What do we know about this matchup last year? What do we know about the last time these two teams faced in Indianapolis? It was close. Derrick Henry actually got hurt in that game in the first half, so Tennessee really struggled to run the football, really struggled at times to generate any offense. It came down to the wire. It came down to the quarterbacks. And it's not that Ryan Tannehill was a world beater necessarily and was like an MVP candidate on this particular Sunday, but it was Carson Wentz. Missing throws, throwing terrible, ill-advised interceptions. Matt Ryan's not that guy. Matt, Matt Ryan is not anywhere near being a top 10 quarterback in this league. Those days have passed him. But if you're telling me who do I trust more between Wentz and Matt Ryan, 
in a game that's that's that's, that's nip and talk, fourth quarter, seven minutes to go. Give me Matty Ice any day of the week. I, I really don't like what I'm seeing from Tennessee offensively. They're dealing with a lot of injuries to their offensive line, to their receiving units. Derrick Henry hasn't looked that great in part because of the offensive line, in part because of the fact that Ryan Tannehill hasn't looked all that great three games in. So, because of all the limitations to Tennessee's offense, because of their inconsistencies on defense, I think Jonathan Taylor is a big game. Matt Ryan distributes the ball to the wide receivers. Give me the Colts to win this game by double digits over the Titans, 34-24. to Colts win and get to a winning record. Again, the, the, the rare 1-1-1 one, one one record right now for the Colts. They'll break that. One of those categories is going to have a two. It's not going to be the tie. I think it will be in the win column. The Colts will be 2-1-1 one and one after week four. Moving on to one of the more surprising matchup of two 2-1 two and one teams. Because it's two squads that I had, I think a lot of people had, finishing last in their divisions. But after this game, somebody's going to be 3-1. and one. It's incredible. Because you have the Chicago Bears and you have the New York Giants. Giants are favored in this game by a field goal. We know both offenses have their limitations. Giants were dealt a really tough blow at the end of that Monday night loss to Dallas by losing Sterling Shepard for the season with a torn ACL. Kenny Galladay, as I said in yesterday's show, is flat out robbing the Giants. He's taken $700,000 a game out of their pockets. It is, it is highway robbery. It is wrong. What that man is doing to the Mara family and to the Tisch family who owns the New York football Giants. Here's what we know about the Chicago Bears. As good as their defense has been, and it's been really good, okay? It gave the Niners offense all kinds of issues. It, Despite Green Bay scoring 27, they hung in there for a long time, as long as they could, until they were eventually outlasted by Aaron Rodgers, who we know owns the Bears. Uh, you know, he, he might as well buy a stake in them at this point. And then last week, holding their own for a long time, being able, Roquan Smith made, made the big play at the end of the game against Houston, and the Bears won that game on a walk-off field goal. The Bears' offense, however, has probably been the worst in the NFL. They're completing the fewest amount of passes in the league. Okay, they, they have been absolutely, positively atrocious. I think I read that there are some single receivers like Cooper Cup and, and Hollywood Brown in Arizona that have caught more passes than Bears' wide receivers. It has been that bad. Justin Fields completed eight passes last week. Eight for 17, barely over 100 yards. This Bears offense is about as bad as it gets. They are the, truly the bad news Bears. Conversely, for the Giants, that defense has been really good. They gave up that big run to the Cowboys in the fourth quarter because of their inability to stop the run. But the Bears can't run the ball. The Bears can't pass the ball. Okay, they're, Frankly put, they're not that good of a football team because your defense can't lead you the way, certainly in the 2022 NFL. So give me the New York Giants to win this game 21-13 over the Chicago Bears. And again, I, I think some of this will come down to coaching too. Do you trust Matt Eberflus or do you trust Brian Dable? Two rookie head coaches. I'm rolling with my man, Brian Dayballs, because he's been called by a lot of New York Giants fans. Give me the Giants to win this game 21-13 to over the Chicago Bears. Moving on now to an interesting one. To me, the most fascinating game of the weekend. Not necessarily the best game, but the most fascinating. The Jacksonville Jaguars and the Philadelphia Eagles. Philadelphia now, due to Miami's loss, is now the one remaining unbeaten team in the NFL. Philadelphia stands alone, the only team without a blemish on their record. They're 3-0, and they've looked really good. 
The offense has been remarkable. Jalen Hurts has taken a huge step forward as a thrower. We know about his abilities as a runner to get out to the pocket, make plays with his legs. We already know about how good Philly is running the ball with what might be the best offensive line in the league. A.J. Brown has been huge for them, adding him from Tennessee. Devontae Smith has taken another step in year two as a wide receiver in the NFL. And defensively, the Philadelphia Eagles have looked simply phenomenal. Darius Slay has been great. The front seven has been tremendous. There's not a whole lot going wrong if you're the Philadelphia Eagles. But in comes the Jacksonville Jaguars, right? They lose narrowly to the Washington Commanders in week one. Make a few more plays in that game and they win. They destroy the Colts in week two. They go to L.A. across the country and destroy a beat-up Los Angeles Chargers team by four touchdowns. So they're coming in with a lot of confidence. And Philadelphia in this game is favored minus six and a half. I'm telling you right now, I'm taking Jaguars plus six and a half. Not necessarily saying that they're going to win before I make this prediction, but I'm taking Jags plus six and a half. As good as Philly is, when you talk about Jackson, when you talk about Trevor Lawrence, massive step from year one to year two, which a lot of quarterbacks make from their rookie year to year two. A lot of that's because they get a new, a lot of times offensive coaches come in. Doug Peterson's been great. The addition of Christian Kirk's been great. Robinson and Etienne have been great running the football. And defensively, they've been outstanding, okay? That Walker kid they drafted out of Georgia with the number one overall pick, he's looking every bit like the number one overall pick the way he's playing. I just think despite the fact that I feel like the Jaguars kind of had the advantage, like I talked about yesterday, at head coach and at quarterback. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overplayed by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Philadelphia just has too many weapons on both sides of the ball. So I think I'm taking Jaguars plus six and a half. But give me the Philadelphia Eagles to win outright. And at the end of the day, that's all that matters. To remain unbeaten, to win this game at 28 to 27 over the Jags. Philadelphia remains undefeated. Moving on now to the New York Jets taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is Zach Wilson's return. Robert Sala announced that he is going to be cleared, ready to go. He suffered that what looked like a very serious knee injury uh, in the preseason. Turns out he's going to be ready to go. Week four was a speedy recovery. Again, he still is young. If I'm not mistaken, I think Zach Wilson's 22, 23 years old. So he's still a kid. The Jets, here, here, here's, here's the thing about the Jets. Offense has had their moments occasionally with Joe Flacco, but they built a little bit of rapport with him. Zach Wilson comes in. What do we know about quarterbacks in their first start this season? How'd Joe Burrow look his first start of the year? Uh, garbage. How about five turnovers? Tom Brady's first start. Terrible. Kyler Murray's first start. Awful. A lot of quarterbacks in their first start of the season did not look good. Russell Wilson, not good. Jimmy Garoppolo, bad. So you're telling me Zach Wilson's going to come in and light up the world against what is the strength of the Steelers, that being their defense. I said last week they should go ahead and start Kenny Pickett against the Jets because the fact it's the early window game in Pittsburgh against an inferior Jets team. 
not a whole lot of pressure considering it's not a national audience. It's not Monday Night Football or something or the big afternoon game on Fox or CBS. But the rolling with Trubisky from here, I disagree with it, but the rolling with Trubisky, I don't think it's going to cost him in this game on Sunday. The Steelers, by the way, are favored uh, minus three. I think they do cover. I think they win this game 20-15 to 15 over the Jets, what will be probably one of the more boring games of the weekend without a question. But I'm going to take the Steelers to beat the Jets by a final score of 20-15. to 15. Moving on now to what is possibly the game of the weekend between the two hottest quarterbacks in the NFL. You've got the Buffalo Bills coming into Baltimore to take on the Ravens. Allen versus Jackson. you got the MVP front runner at home in Lamar Jackson facing the guy who, with the win, could catapult above Lamar for the leader for MVP. Buffalo on the road is favored by a field goal. They're favored minus three. This is an interesting one. I think we're going to get a high-scoring affair. Here's why. The Ravens' defense... Their secondary, specifically. The Ravens' secondary, ravaged by injuries. They have looked awful through the first part of the season. Likewise, the Buffalo Bills, all kinds of injuries. Jordan Poirier's out. Tredavious White is out. Micah Hyde is out. You've got two rookies filling those two spots. How did that look against the Miami Dolphins on Sunday? Not great. What's Lamar Jackson, who's leading the NFL in touchdown passes? who's leading the NFL in passer rating, who's second in QBR. What's he going to do to that defense? What's Josh Allen going to do to a defense that gave up six touchdowns, with all due respect, and God bless him, hope he heals quickly, but gave up six touchdowns to one Tua Tungavailoa and, and blew a 21-point lead. We're going to get a back-and-forth matchup, but when it is all said and done, I think this is the statement game. This is the ultimate shut-up haters game for Lamar Jackson. Give me the Ravens over the Bills in this game. 34-31 to 31 at home. They pull the upset at home over the Bills. I got Baltimore winning 34-31. to 31. Jackson outduels uh, 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 Allen at the last second. Again, here's the thing for the Bills. What do we know about them? They've lost, I think, their last seven, if I'm not mistaken, one-score games. Whatever it is about Buffalo, as talented as they are, as well-coached as they are, they have flat-out stunk in close games. Baltimore has been pretty good in close games. It's not that I necessarily think Lamar's better than Josh Allen or I would trust him more than, than Josh Allen. It's just I trust the Ravens. I trust John Harbaugh and the duo with Lamar Jackson in a close game more than I trust Josh Allen and Sean McDermott. Ravens went over the Bills 34-31. to 31. Now we got this week's uh, interesting one. It involves a team last week. I'm talking about my upset of the week. Give me the Houston Texans to upset the Los Angeles Chargers 26-20. to 20. Here is why. Folks, I don't know if you've noticed, the Chargers are probably the most beat-up team in the NFL. Joey Bosa just got put on IR, their best defensive player. Rashawn Slater their best offensive lineman, who happens to be their left tackle, the most important offensive lineman. He's gone for the season with a torn bicep. That nice receiver they have, that Guyton kid, he's out. And oh, by the way, their quarterback, Justin Herbert, is playing through intense pain in his ribs. He suffered the injury. Of course, we all saw that Thursday night game against Kansas City. He looked really, really off. He looked really, really injured against Jacksonville last week. I have a hard time believing that he healed a whole lot. Again, rib injuries take a long time to recover from. They are no joke. He's had to get painkilling injections, 
over the past 10 days in that rib. So having to deal with that, having to deal with the fact that you're on the road against the Houston, Texas team, who, by the way, destroyed the Chargers last year. They had a pick six late on Herbert. The defense played well for the Texans. Houston's not going to have a whole lot of wins this year, but I think Davis Mills plays pretty well. Uh, I'm going to say Rex Burkhead scores a couple of touchdowns. Yes, I said it. Rex Burkhead. Chargers are favored minus five. Not only do I got Houston plus five, I got the winning outright by basically a touchdown. 26-20. Texans get their first win of the year. They beat the Chargers. 26-20. Chargers drop down to one and three uh, and pretty much limp their way into October. We've got now the 4 o'clock window, the later window. Arizona Cardinals, Carolina Panthers. Cardinals are favored on the road, minus one and a half. This is interesting that they're favored minus one and a half because we all, we all know the gap between Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield is really big. Despite what some Oklahoma fans will try to tell you, both guys obviously played at Oklahoma. Baker won the Heisman Trophy in 2017. Kyler won the Heisman Trophy in 2018. Both coached by Lincoln Riley. Both were stellar in college. But in the NFL, it's not even been close. Kyler Murray has clearly been the better quarterback. But with his lack of weapons, Hollywood Brown's been really good. Zach Ertz, okay. Outside of that, the loss of Edmonds. DeAndre Hopkins is still suspended. You're dealing with all kinds of injuries in that regard. You lost Christian Kirk in free agency to Jacksonville. It showed. Arizona should be 0-3. They, they won on a miracle. It took a miracle of miracles to beat the Las Vegas Raiders. And it took Kyler Murray with the wildest two-point conversion and touchdown in that same fourth quarter that you'll ever see. So you're going on the road to Carolina, who just got their first win of the season last week against their division rival Saints at home. Now they're at home in this one. What I think is interesting to see, Christian McCaffrey, man, I feel terrible for him. The dude cannot stay healthy. Looks like he's going to miss this game against Arizona. We know the last time he played the Cardinals, I think it was back in 2019, he ran wild on that defense. And that defense had Chandler Jones. Now, I know they got J.J. Watt now, but this is not the same Houston J.J. Watt. He's not. Love J.J. Watt, not the same guy. I do not think the Cardinals will cover. Simply because I don't trust Cliff Kingsbury. I know Kyler can be a little Aaron Rodgers-ish, a little moody. You know, you don't know whether or not to trust him late in games. But with that said, I trust as much as I don't really trust Kyler and Cliff, I trust them a heck of a lot more than I trust Baker and Matt Matt Rule. So give me the Cardinals to win this game. Get to 500 at two and two. They'll win this game. They won't cover the only one and a half point spread, but they will win by a point, 24 to 23, over the Carolina Panthers. Moving on now to the New England Patriots taking on the Green Bay Packers. By the way, a what should have been a Super Bowl matchup in Super Bowl. Uh, well, it should have been Super Bowl 42, and it should have been Super Bowl 49. Problem is, uh, the, the potential criminal, Brett Favre, threw a crushing interception against the Giants in that NFC Championship game in 07. And then the Packers defense laid an egg. In the last two and a half minutes in an overtime against the Seattle Seahawks. Seattle advanced to the Super Bowl. We all know what happened from there against the Patriots and what I think is the greatest Super Bowl ever. But let's talk about this game. The Packers are big, big favorites. The biggest favorites of the weekend. Minus nine and a half. Over a touchdown and a field goal. So, you've got New England coming in. Beat up. Listen, I know Mac Jones is limited. But suffering a very, 
Very concerning looking ankle injury. Very disturbing video of him being carried uh, into the locker room, screaming in pain. Of course, we hope he heals quickly. But Mac Jones is not going to be there for a while. And as limited as Mac Jones is, Brian Hoyer is even more so. Brian Hoyer is, is a poor man's Mac Jones, and he's good. Brian Hoyer's won games of this league in Houston, even in New England. But facing a Packers defense, which has looked really good. Okay, we'll see about the health of Jair Alexander. He wasn't able to finish that game against Tampa. But that front was Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith and, and Kenny Clark. The Packers got some serious run stuffers up the middle. And we know nobody trusts the New England Patriots receiving core. Nobody. I mean, again, we're talking about Jacoby Myers. We're talking about Hunter Henry. And, and Nikhil, or sorry, Nikhil here. He's, he's in Chicago now. Uh, uh, Kendrick Bourne. Come on now. I mean, what what are we doing? As limited as Tampa was last week with their injuries, I'd take the receiving core, beat up receiving core in a heartbeat over what New England has fully healthy. I'll say this about the Packers. If they don't cover the spread in this game, Green Bay ought to be struggling. They're at home. They're at Lambeau. Packers should win this football game convincingly. I'm predicting them to do just that. 30-16 to 16 over the New England Patriots. But man, if this game is tight in the last few minutes, I've already stole, sold my stock on Green Bay. Sold my stock before the season. I didn't think they'd make the playoffs. Man, Green Bay, y'all can't win this game. Y'all got to make a statement in this game. Get to 3-1. and one, Tie yourselves up again with the Minnesota Vikings, who I think are going to win against the Saints, obviously, as like I said earlier. To, uh, to, to tie for the top of the division. It is now time for my new segment, Bryson's Bleak Bet. It is the one bet, the one game I predict per week that I have absolutely no confidence in whatsoever. We all have those games per week, folks. This one is, is an interesting one. It's, it's a division matchup. It's the Denver Broncos. It's the Las Vegas Raiders. Vegas, the only 0-3 team in the NFL. I misspoke yesterday, by the way, saying they were the only winless team. Houston is also winless, but they have a tie. Vegas, the only 0-3 team in the NFL. They very well, they sh absolutely should have beaten the Cardinals. And you could argue last week if they had taken advantage of some red zone opportunities, could have easily beaten the Titans. So you have all those things for the Raiders, not being able to finish close games. I think Josh McDaniels is once again being exposed a little bit. But desperation, as we saw with the Colts last week, is a very real thing in the NFL, especially early in seasons. Early in seasons, there's still at least a slight bit of optimism. You still kind of believe maybe we can make a, make a run. Again, only six 0-3 teams in NFL history have ever made the playoffs. The Raiders are trying to make it seven. They're at home. They're favored minus two and a half over a Broncos team that offensively has just looked anemic. Russell Wilson looked like Russell Wilson at the end of that drive, that game-winning drive to beat the 49ers last week in what was one of the more boring Sunday night football games you'll ever witness. Jerry Judy still dealing with injuries, but Cortland Sutton looked good. The, the, the running backs, especially Melvin Gordon, who scored the game-winning touchdown, looked good. Nathaniel Hackett, we know, appears to be in over his head. We're, we're seeing that through the first bit of the season. But what's the weakness? Again, football's a game of matchups. Sports is a game of matchups, but especially football. Where's the Raiders' weakness? The back end. The secondary. It's trash. It's awful. Herbert carved him up. Use play off this show. So did Kyler. Okay. So did Ryan Tannehill. You're telling me that despite the offensive struggles, I get it. They have yet to score more than 16 points this season. 
Russell Wilson can't put 20-plus on them? Sure he can. And with that Broncos defense, the way that they're playing through the first bit of the season, okay, they haven't given up more than 17 points. We talk about the Broncos offense has been bad. You know, conversely, the Broncos defense has been outstanding like I thought they would be before the season. I think they will do their job. They'll stop a late Derek Carr drive in its tracks in the red zone. Broncos scored over 20 points for the first time this season. They get the upset win for Bryson's bleak bet. Don't feel confident at all in this. If the Raiders win, won't be shocked at all. But I'll take the Broncos to win 23-17 to over the Las Vegas Raiders. Sorry, Vegas, but I, I believe after this week, because I think Houston's going to pull the upset of the Chargers, I think Vegas will be the only winless team in the NFL coming into Week 5. The final game, final Sunday game, we got a Monday night game, but I'll predict that Monday show. The final Sunday game, we've got a Super Bowl rematch from just two years ago. It's an exciting one, folks. It's the Kansas City Chiefs. It's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yes, the game will be played in Tampa. We know about the the issues with Hurricane Ian. You know, thoughts and prayers go out to all the people in Florida affected by the hurricane. Uh, but the NFL had a, it possibly scheduled to play be played in Minneapolis if the weather would not permit it to be played in Tampa. The game's going to be played at Raymond James Stadium. Fire the cannons when Tampa scores points. And the Chiefs on the road are favored minus one and a half. This is, again, a rematch of the Super Bowl, but it's very, very different, again, in some of the matchups. What was the biggest reason Kansas City lost that Super Bowl? Their offensive line was awful. They allowed 33 pressures on Patrick Mahomes, which, if I'm not mistaken, might be a Super Bowl record. Mahomes was running for his life. Okay? It don't matter if you have Hill, Kelsey, Hardman, all these guys. Don't matter. If you're on your butt the whole game or if you're running for your life the whole game. Tampa's defense today looks better than it did in 2020, and that's saying a lot. This Tampa defense, to me, is the best in football. They're the best scoring defense. They get pressure on the quarterback. They're leading the NFL in takeaways. They are flat out getting it done. Todd Bowles as the head coach, still having a huge imprint on, on the defense. And so I think they will make their plays where they need to be made in this game. But with that said, Patrick Mahomes with the receivers he does have. Okay, he's still got Juju Smith-Schuster. He's got Valdez Scantling. And we know he still does have the best tight end in football, that being Travis Kelsey. That Bucks offense has really struggled. I think Kansas City is going to force two takeaways off of the Bucks offense. One in a fumble by Leonard Fournette. One in an interception by Tom Brady. I think they're going to take advantage, set themselves up in good field position, and be able to outlast the GOAT. Ironically, the last time these two teams played in the regular season in Tampa, I think it will be the exact same score as it was on that day. Is actually the Sunday after Thanksgiving in 2020. I think the score will repeat itself. The Chiefs will win 27-20. to 24 in what could be possibly the final matchup between Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes. And those two will finish, if it is the last time they, they face off, those two will finish with three wins apiece. Three and three record between Brady and Mahomes. Give me the Chiefs over the Bucks, 27 to 24 on Sunday night football. Man. And, and the Mahomes-Brady games have all been great. Even the one that wasn't close being the Super Bowl, Tampa Bay won convincingly 31-9. to It's still, at the end of the day, you know, it's the Super Bowl. You have the anticipation of it. But the other games they played, okay, Brady won the first two on walk-offs. First one on a walk-off touchdown. The second one actually sent the Patriots to their sixth Super Bowl. I'm sorry, 10th, uh, 
was it 10th or 11th? I think it was their 11th Super Bowl in the Brady Belichick era. If I'm not, yeah, it was, it was the 11th time they went to the Super Bowl uh, in, in the Brady Belichick era. Uh, no, ninth time in the Brady Belichick era, 11th time overall. I'm tripping over my numbers. But, anyways, Patriots beat the Chiefs in that game, walk off touchdown in overtime. Brady led a game when he drive. That's what Brady does. But then Mahomes won the next matchup in 2019. It ended up being their last matchup with Brady as a Patriot. 2020, they match up in Tampa. Chiefs get out to a big lead. Brady and the Bucks offense comes back, but they don't have enough late. And Kansas City outlasts them by the final score that I think this game will be 27 to 24. And of course, the last time they met was in that super in that Super Bowl in that stadium. And of course, the Bucks won the game that matters more than all of them, the Super Bowl, 31 to 9. And Brady took home ring number seven. And by the way, the Monday night game, 49ers and Rams. Keep your eye on that one. That's gonna be an interesting one as well. I think I think San Francisco's at home in this game. Am I right? Let's see. Is San Francisco at home? Yeah, San Francisco's at home. That game's going to be played in the Bay Area. The Yay Area, as I always say. But it's going to be fun. It's going to be see, fun to see what happens in, in, in week four. There's some really, really good matchups. That is my predictions. And I feel very confident in them outside of, of course, Bryson's bleak bet. All right, that is all the time we have for today's show. Appreciate everybody stopping by, as always. Be sure to catch Carving Up Live on Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific time on Facebook Live, YouTube, and on Twitter. Also, be sure to catch Carving It Up, the Carving It Up podcast on the Grid Network, being available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Be sure to go subscribe to the Grid Network on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, as well as on the YouTube channel, Carving It Up on the Grid and on the Carving It Up YouTube channel right here. Like, share, comment, and take two seconds out of your day. See how quick that was? Take that amount of time and click that big red subscribe button. Helps the channel grow exponentially. Got some great college football this weekend. Got some great NFL football this weekend. Looking forward to it. Have a great time. Have a great weekend. Continue to stay safe out there. God bless you all. Peace out. Man, I'm excited for some football. Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube. Be sure to click that big red subscribe button and go check out the other clips and full shows of Carving It Up Live. Have a blessed day. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.